Hey guys, this is Kyle Klammer. This is Zach Welch. And this is? The Good Life Bowhunter, the official podcast of the NBA. That it is. It's good to be back. Good to be back. We've got a couple special guests on this evening here. Hey, uh, Scott and Trent, you guys just want to go ahead and introduce yourselves real quick? My name is Scott Christensen. Hey guys, my name is Trent Tobiasen. Yeah, and we're, uh, we're doing another Zoom zoom call here so hopefully everybody can kind of bear with us and i think we got everything kind of figured out for the most part so hopefully it'll go smoothly but uh, we're just going to jump right into things here um zach do you got any nba announcements or anything you wanted to touch on real quick no nope, i don't think so not anything major we had a meeting a couple weeks ago and uh nothing new to report really um we'll have another meeting in june is you know, as far as things go, what we decide about Halsey and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, nothing new to report, though, right now. Okay. Sounds good. Um, yeah, with that, uh, I guess let's just get right into it here. We're going to be talking about uh, some mountain lion hunting today. So uh, I'm just going to kind of open things up and whoever wants to start, um, maybe just kind of tell us, um, I guess, what's happened in the past couple of years here. and give us a little intro as to, you know, how you guys got involved with this and I'm um, just going to kind of leave it up to whoever. So whoever wants to start, go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it up to Trent. Trent, since you're the first one that killed, I'll let you, let you kind of start and talk and explain what you want to explain. And then I'll kind of hit on a few things from there. Okay. Um, well, I guess, I feel fortunate to have uh, grown up, uh, spent a large portion of my life in northwest Nebraska. I grew up in Shadron, and uh, there's been, we've had mountain lions around there for quite some time. The population has finally gotten strong enough that they've allowed a season. And uh, I was able to draw a tag last year. And, you know, I've tried, I've done a lot of calling, and, and actually I've never called one in. Uh, you know, I admire those guys that uh, that got that did get it done. You know, during the regular season, but um, they redraw for uh, the unfilled tags. They redraw for the dog season, and I was fortunate enough to draw one of those last year. And we had some had some terrible weather, some terrible storms. Um, they have the season the end of March, so everything is melting and muddy and. A lot of times there's no snow, so uh, you know it makes it really hard for the dogs. Um, but I was fortunate enough to get a lion last year, and um, we were at the bow hunters banquet this this spring, uh, the first weekend of March every year in Kearney, and uh, we were all just kind of hanging out and having a good time, and it just happened to be the last day to get in for that season. Uh, Scott had not put in, and so we kind <clears> of <throat> elbowed him. Said, "Hey, you know, make sure you get in. You never know." And uh, I'll be darned if if uh, he wasn't able to, you know, get lucky and draw that tag. And so, Scott, I'll let you kind of take it from there. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, just like Trent said, um, we were at the NBA banquet. You know, shout out to the NBA if you are not a member with the Nebraska Bowhunter Association Banquet or, you know, Nebraska Bowhunter Association, 
Um, they call it the NBA. Um, if you are not a member, uh, I would uh, I would tell you right now. I mean, don't don't hesitate. Get online, join. Um, it's a it's a great time. Um, I've been a member uh, for quite a few years. I can't remember exactly how many years. Um, I've been a member. I actually was a member more uh, or longer than I have at attended the banquets, um, the actual time in Kearney. Um, I've been attending probably, probably the last three or four years. Um, and I always have a great time. And, uh, you know, that's kind of actually where I met Trent at. Um, I, I, I knew his brother up in Shattern when I went to college up there, but, but I didn't really know Trent very well. Um, but, you know, I met Trent up there and or at the banquet and stuff. And um, that's kind of where my my hunt actually all started off at. Um, I applied for the tag um, for the, uh, you know, the non-dog non season, um, which runs from January 2nd through February 28th. Um, and it's known as a season one where you can't have dogs, you have to call them in. Um, they have four tags, just, you know, for everybody that's listening and whatnot, they have four tags that are issued, um, harvest tags that are issued uh, for the North unit and the South unit, um, but they actually issue more permits than that. Um, <clears throat> I got to talking to uh, uh, one of the biologists up there in the Shadron area, and he told me that they actually issued 320 tags total uh, for the North and South unit. So 320 each unit, um, but only four, four cats can be harvested, which, which are two females um, that can be harvested uh, first. And then, uh, I mean, I guess four total tags, but if two females are harvested, the season's closed. So, um, out of those 320 tags that were issued, he had told me the North unit, which where I had my tag, there was only 220 tags that were, you know, issued out out of the 320. So, so there's a, there's a, there was left over a hundred tags left on the North unit. And then on the South unit, um, there was 186 tags that we, that was issued out by the Gaming Parks, um, out of those 320. So, um, not all the tags were even, even issued out, um, for the first season where you, you know, you can call the tag, call it, call the cat out. Um, my deal is I, I didn't even go up for the first season because, you know, I kind of thought about it is like calling a cat. Your first thing you're going to probably have come in as a bobcat slash maybe a coyote, you know, and I, I, I was like, well, I drew the tag cost $15 is all it does is apply. Um, I just will apply, you know, see if I draw the tag and if I draw it, let's see what happens. And, and sure enough, I was able to draw that tag and never even went up the first season. Um, come March 6th, when the, when the Nebraska Bow Hunters Association banquet was going on here in Kearney, um, you know, talking to Trent, talking to Casey, um, you know, kind of hanging out with them, having some beers, getting cornered a little bit, you know, kind of deal. They were like, hey, what unit do you have your tag in? I'm like, I actually really don't even know. So so I called my wife up, you know, and I've been drinking since 3 o'clock that afternoon. So I called my wife up. It's about 1030 at night and had her go out to the bank or out to the, out to the uh, 
shop and look through my hunting bag and everything and find my old permit because um, when you get online to find your permit number, um, if the season's over with, you can't find it. It's not there. So I uh, had her do that. She found my permit number. I was able to get my permit number. And, and if you want to draw the tag for the second season, um, which is considered the auxiliary season, you need to reapply. And not knowing much about that, you know, just following what Trent and uh, Casey was telling me, um, I went ahead and got that permit number, was able to reapply. And that was the last night, March 6th was the last night that you could actually reapply, which was the Friday night there when we, ha when we were having the, uh, you know, the hors d'oeuvres kind of slash free beer, everything at the uh, trade center, um, you know, room where we had a, we had a table set up for next level deer supplements. And, uh, and I was able to get my application resubmitted um, before the 1149 deadline that, that morning, I think I got it, I got it submitted at 1115 and, and uh, found out the next Monday morning that I actually drew the tag. So um, a little bit about, uh, you know, how it, how it all started out and went for me when getting started after talking to Trent. So. That's great. Yeah. You really looked, you really looked out Scott and uh, <laughs> you know, from, from that point, you know, I, you know, living up there, I, I know a lot of those landowners and, and have a good, all good reputation with, you know, with most everybody up there. And so we got to, we got to giving Scott some numbers and, and calling some different people and lining up property. And that's kind of the problem. You never know where the cats are going to be. Um, you know, so you got to line up a ton of ground. And then Scott, again, was fortunate to have our friend Casey with the hounds, um, you know, right here in Nebraska. And so Casey was, was excited to come up and try to catch a, a lion in Nebraska. And uh, so, you know, I know Scott spent a lot of time rounding up permission and, and taking care of those landowners and, and uh, just, you know, trying to make sure everybody was knew what was going on there. Yeah, that's great. Um, you want to just talk about the uh, process of, you know, when you cut a track or what, how, do, how you go about, I guess, um, doing with the dogs, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. It's, yeah, go, Trent. Go, go on that. It, sure, yeah. I. Uh, it, it takes a lot more manpower than you realize. You know, you. Uh, it's not like, it's not like, when it's freezing cold, you know, in December and January where that track will hold a scent for a week, um, you know, in March when, when it's melting and it's getting warm and, and you don't have much snow, it's a deal where if it does snow, you need to have as many people as you have available to you to go out and try to cut a fresh track. The biggest thing is, is cutting a fresh track that still holds scent. And just to put this in perspective, you know, after Scott killed his, uh, we had a couple guys that had trail cameras up there. And uh, on two different occasions, we got the picture of the cat within five hours. We had the dogs there and the scent was gone. There wasn't any snow left. And uh, it was just, the scent was just evaporated and gone. And, and those dogs couldn't, couldn't trail those, that cat. So 
it's you know you don't realize that yeah you only you know you got to be within you know four or five hours of that cat to be able to be successful and you know during my season the year before we we found quite a few tracks that were older but uh you know they weren't able to the dog wasn't able to follow it and you know you get patchy snow and they get on a south facing hillside where it's gone and uh, you know you just start doing big circles trying to pick it up but it's it's a it's a hunt it's a lot harder than a guy thinks and so we had several guys that would get together and go out and look and scott came up a couple days early and we went out and started looking and was uh was fortunate to have a snow that first weekend there um for his opener and we found a big track the day before and then the next morning that cat had moved um you know from where we found that track I cut the track about a mile and a half, two miles west of that. And so we turned out there and uh, that cat just in that one night had traveled uh, all as the crow flies, I would say five miles. And Scott, I think you had your, uh, you had your steps going, didn't you? How far was that trail? Yeah, it was, it was right around, I mean, where I started at, and when I got the Beaver Creek Road, um, I was I was literally about three and a half, four miles in, just 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 from the seven thirty in the morning when we cut that first track, or when you cut that track on Metcalf Road uh, to Beaver Creek Road, hiking all through that. Um, it was three and a half, four miles, and then we still, you know, after we got on the ATVs um, slash slide by sides and hiked. <laughs> a long ways back in there to when we found the dogs i mean yeah yep. six miles from where we started to where we actually even treed that cat so and we went across five different landowners and uh you know luckily we had talked to all of them beforehand and, and had permission so that wasn't an issue and the landowners were helping you know helping us try to get around but um the snow was so so deep from the old drifts uh you know on the north facing hillsides trying to get around on the logging roads we'd get those we'd get our side by sides buried and uh so it was a challenge to just to get into where those you know where the dogs ended up getting the cat up a tree and you know what's interesting is those dogs followed that cat most of the you know most of the day but uh as far as the chase itself that cat had just traveled that far, you know, throughout the night. And so, you know, he had, he had, he was five, six miles ahead of those dogs. Uh, when the dogs finally jumped that cat, I would say it was, you know, less than a 500 yard chase. You know, those, you know, as soon as they caught up to it and the cat went up a tree, it would just had traveled that far and was just laid up in that Canyon. And, um, you know, it took that long for the dogs to find it. So, or to catch up yeah that's pretty cool um what uh have you guys trent i guess um, specifically talking to you i mean have you done quite a bit of hunting with dogs as far as uh for lions and stuff and um and and i, I apologize i had to take a call there real quick so if i miss something uh excuse my repeat questions here but um the uh and, and i guess my my main question was what's the what's the success rate on you know if you cut a track tree and a lion 
Um, you know, I mean, if you get on a good one, is it pretty, I mean, pretty good odds or not really? Or <laughs> Yeah, you know, the make it or break it part of that is just the conditions of the day. And like I said, when we're, you know, when, when Nebraska has this hound season, it's the end of March and it's, yeah. you know, everything's, everything's melting, you know, you're lucky to have snow. And, yeah. and um, so, like I said, on, there was, you know, I know of three different occasions, one last year when I was hunting and then two this year where, you know, we, we, they saw the cat or had it on camera with a time and we had the dogs there you know, within four hours. Um, one was, or one was as soon as three hours. And anytime the weather gets over 60 degrees, the scent is gone. It just evaporates. And, uh, you know, if you don't have snow to be able to follow it, it's, it doesn't work. So, you know, we've had three different occasions that I know of that we've had dogs there, you know, within three to five hours and they were not able to follow that cat. Uh, the scent just, the scent just didn't, isn't strong enough. They'd, they'd lose it and, and uh, had to give up on it. So, huh. um, but to digress from that, you know, I've, my very first cat was uh, in Colorado. I went on a hunt there with a friend and, you know, in good conditions, you know, that, that track, you know, as long as it's cold and, uh, you know, that track will hold scent. And so that was where I kind of um, did my very first hound hunt for mountain lions was in Colorado years ago. And, uh, it took me two times, you know, I went there and we kind of had tough conditions and, and didn't get one. And then I went back and was able to get one on another trip where we had some, you know, had some snow and was able to find a fresher track and it went well, you know, I mean, as long as the dogs can smell it, they'll follow it. And so <clears throat> the first day that we started with Scott's, you know, on his, it was cold and, uh, he was able to have the snow and so it was fortunate you, you know he was just everything worked out and and the dogs followed that cat for seven miles till they finally got it you know got it up the tree oh, that's that's pretty cool i mean you know to uh i, I often say we're, we're pretty spoiled here in nebraska just from a standpoint of you know being able to you know hunt as many things as we can just to begin with, you know, I mean, especially if you're a bow hunter, I mean, opportunities are, um, you know, I mean, you can, you know, you get three turkey tags, you can hunt an antelope every single year, you can, um, you know, get two two deer tags and multiple antlerless tags and things like that. And then just to, just to be able to, you know, have an opportunity like you guys have had and, and then to be able to harvest a mountain lion too. I mean, it, that's just, uh, that's just, really really cool um and you know just sort of um like i said kind of adds to the you know just the mystique of living in nebraska i guess and just all these opportunities that we have so it's just pretty pretty neat i guess Absolutely. yeah you're right i agree correct you know, me if i'm wrong but i, I believe you're in trent you're in scott's cats are the only two harvested with a bow in nebraska history am i right well, as far as I know, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I guess I got the first, you know, the first 
legal cat with a bow last year um and then scott's this year so um scott's was bigger than mine so he'll have the record <laughs> did he did he let you know that trent or did he did he kind of no i tried <laughs> trent kind of let he me did. know. He's like hey hey that's gonna be a bigger cat than mine <laughs> uh, oh that's great um what uh you know i just had a couple other um questions and things here um and maybe sorry like i said i had to take a call there maybe you've already talked about this but as far as keeping track of the dogs um you know do you have uh some sort of um you know like do they have gps callers stuff like that that you're watching um do you just kind of uh, I mean, what's what's the process there? And if you already talked about it, then never mind. I, <laughs> no, we actually we actually hadn't touched on it, and and yeah, that's uh, you know that's how those howden hunters keep track of their dogs. Um, you know, they have the um, they have the GPS collars that they put on the dogs, and it'll it'll give them a track as long as they can hit a signal. Um, Casey did have trouble, you know, in in certain areas where. You know, he couldn't actually tell where his dogs were, but we had the snow and, and he was just going as fast as he could trying to keep up. And so was Scott, but <laughs> Casey couldn't keep up with the dogs and Scott couldn't keep up with Casey and we ended up all <laughs> strung out. I mean, yeah. we, we were strung out for miles. It, it but, was a uh, chit show. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, most of those hound hunters have uh, GPS collars on their dogs so that, yeah. um, they can they can tone them um they also have the ability to shock them you know to, so say they take off after a bunch of you know, especially them young pups they'll take off after you know elk or something that they're not used to or cattle you know and, and so you can use those collars as training collars as well you know to call them off of something um and uh, use the tone to, to call the dogs back to you and, and they're just it's a handy tool yeah no definitely definitely you know i've um you know the other thing i always think about with uh you know hunting with hounds for anything really you know i there's always this um some some people would push this uh sort of negative uh narrative about this and say oh it's too easy blah 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 but i'm sure you guys can speak to the amount of uh physical exertion that um you know that following these dogs around everywhere and i mean up and over uh you know bluffs and canyons and everything and um you know i just remember listening to other podcasts and things about you know guys talking about this is this is not anything like you would expect other than it you're just working your butt off for the whole thing the whole time <laughs> but <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. Have yeah. On that or comments to that. I, I mean, I could hit on that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I had a few people after I, uh, you know, harvested that cat reached out to me and, and, you know, a few, actually even a few of my neighbors here in the Kearney area said, why would you do something like that? Why would you kill that? You know, they're such a majestic animal, you know, they're so pretty, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. They're, they're a, they're a very pretty looking animal out there, you know, all that stuff, but Hey, it's, it's, it's been a, uh, you know, it's been a, a bucket list kind of type thing for me. 
I actually never even thought about drawing a Nebraska mountain lion tag. Um, you know, I applied and never thought that that's, this would ever happen to me. I was going to, you know, apply to Mount or uh, Wyoming or Colorado and try to draw a tag out there and stuff. But, um, you know, to, to speak a little bit on the hunt, at least, you know, my hunt, you know, I wasn't on Trent's hunt, you know, last year. Um, but my hunt personally, um, you know, when Trent found the track there on Metcalf Road um, and, you know, Casey and I found another track, which was the same track that we believe is the same, you know, same, same cat, you know, whatnot, uh, a, a while, uh, you know, far, a farther away away. But, uh, you know, we came up there where Trent said, hey, I found a pretty fresh track and we got on it. I mean, it was 730 that morning when the sun came up and we didn't kill that, that cat till three 30 that afternoon. I mean, those dogs worked their butt off. We worked our butt off. Um, the landowner's ground that we cut through and, and followed that track. I mean, there was a lot of burnt timber there. You know, the snow was, you know, four and a half, five, six feet deep, you know, at certain spots where we would go down a ravine. I mean, just like Trent said, I was, the dogs were ahead of Casey and I was behind Casey. And I mean, I got a, I got a, I got a hind start behind Casey when, when he actually turned the dogs loose and said the dogs actually finally hit good and they're going and he was trying to keep up with the dogs and I was trying to keep up with Casey. And I did a few short videos, which I'm actually trying to, you know, I got a couple of different guys putting, uh, chasing the dreams, putting um, my video footage together. Uh, Whitetail Legacy actually did a podcast with me last week on this hunt. They're going to gonna put some footage together. And I sent all the footage um, that I have from my cell phone and from what Trent kind of sent to me and everything. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, make a, try to make some, something out of all the footage that we have from our cell phones. But, um, you know, following, following these tracks and following Casey and following the dogs and stuff. I mean, that wind was blowing 30, 40 miles an hour. Um, snow was, you know, a lot deeper than I expected to be. I mean, we go down one ridge, I would be on one top of Ridge and I'd see Casey and he was on the top of one Ridge when I was on the top of the, the next ridge behind him and he was he was just going over that ridge when I was going down the ridge so um and it was a lot of uh dead timber you know from from fire that you know it wasn't just going down a ridge and going up a ridge it was going down a ridge and stepping over dead logs um through three four feet of snow you know down to your knees waist hiking through that stuff carrying a bow carrying a pack and and not being in shape to be honest with you um you know finding out with the short short notice of knowing when you drill that drew, drew that tag for the auxiliary season um you know the first season hey you can go up there and you can find some fresh tracks and hike in a little bit and call and sit down and do whatever you want to do this season is you know you the second second season with the auxiliary season you uh you literally turn the dogs loose and you got to keep up with them and uh I mean, it's like a normal mountain lion hunt out if you if you were to go out in Mount, you know, Colorado, Wyoming, and whatnot, and you got to keep up. And I was not in shape, to be honest with you. And uh, I had a hard time keeping up. And there was a couple of times there when I got on my phone on Onyx and just looking where I was at, and I didn't see where Casey was at. I couldn't hear the dogs anymore, and I was kind of wondering, what the heck, you know? <laughs> Even more, more, what the hell? Where the hell am I at? Yeah. Am I going to die? Am I going to survive? <laughs> um, you know, the wind blowing and 
I got down to some bottoms um, following, actually, you know, following uh, what I was doing is I literally started following Casey's tracks, his foot tracks and the dog tracks just to get to where I got to Beaver Creek Road. But there was times when I came on a, you know, a, a ridge where it was up on the top where the cat cut across and the dog cut across and Casey cut across where I I couldn't find any tracks and I had to walk circles for a while trying to figure out, you know, I started in 10 foot circles and I get a little bit bigger and I trying to figure out where the tracks went, you know, who, where's the foot tracks at, where's the dog tracks at, where's the cat tracks at. Um, and you know, I was, I kind of thought I was lost for a while. There was a spot one time where I marked a spot where I saw the four wheeler track come across and, and come to find out later down the road, that was where Trent cut across with the four wheeler and uh you know i was like oh well okay that's good to know you know that he would they he was out here looking and he knew and he was on you know on point with trent or with uh with casey and i was kind of nervous for a while there um and there was a couple times when i came through some very 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 good mountain lion territory i mean like it was like holy crap this is this is cat territory and you know, I, I actually kind of smelt, you know, like your, your nose, you know, your, our nose doesn't work as good as a deer, but man, I could smell and it smelled like cat. It smelled like, oh, it was just, it was nerve wracking, like going, oh, I'm by myself hiking <laughs> through this stuff. What if another cat tracks, jumps on me and stuff? So, so I was pretty nervous there for a while, you know, and stuff, but I, uh, I finally made it to Beaver Creek Road and Kind of got hold of Trent, kind of got hold of Casey, trying to figure out, you know, Trent's phone went dead. Casey lost his antenna tracking his dogs and ended up finally getting hooked back up with them. And, yeah, and then that's when we got on the uh, ATV side-by-sides and and one of the, uh, the land managers actually, you know, found the dogs and you know, we went from there. But, I mean, I tell you what, it was a rush and – there was some nerve wracking points through my hunt, at least, you know, that way. So, yeah, I'd say there wasn't anything easy about it. I, I haven't had an easy one yet. It's, it's, you know, somebody that hasn't done it might think, might think that it's cheating, but it's, it's a lot tougher than you think, even with the dogs. Yep. Yep. I'm sure. And, you know, kind of like we kind of touched on already. I mean, like you said, you know, it's, it's no guarantee, even if you, if you do cut a track and have the dogs going or, you know, so. No, I mean, I've talked to guys who've gone on cat hunts before, like in Utah, you know, and, and uh, out West and they talk about how tough it is. And they made multiple trips where they came home several years without a cat. And then, you know, well, like Trent Philbrick, he, I don't know how many trips he made out to Utah and he killed one. And, you know, he said, I'll never do it again. It was the most physically demanding hunt, you know, I've ever done. And I guess to, to kind of add on top of that a lot of those cat hunters you know they're they go one way or the other it seems like they either want to keep going back and do it every year or they want to kill one and be done are you guys kind of hooked on it now he kind of got treated pretty well here in nebraska are you wanting to go try it out west again i know trent you've been there but i guess just touch on that well, I would say, interesting. yeah no that's a that's a great question zach um i would say uh I'm not, I'm not 100% one and done, but you know, when you have the success that I've had, just like with my Nebraska bowl elk tag and my 
mountain lion. Um, I'm willing to spend my money on something that I haven't harvested yet. But if I get invited on a mountain lion hunt um, out, you know, somewhere else, or even if it's here in the state of Nebraska again next year or whatnot, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% game to do it again um, because it's, it's a hell of a rush. I mean, if you're a hunter and uh, it, it, it's, it's a different, it's a different type of hunt and it's a hell of a rush. So, you know, it's a great time to do it, but you know, if, if it came down to me, you know, picking a hunt to do again, um, I'd probably spend my money elsewhere um, just because I want to kill um, or harvest, you know, I, I hate saying that word, but harvest another animal um, that I haven't harvested, like, you know, so a grizzly bear or something like that, or caribou, or, you know, I'm going to spend that, but you know, it, it's a great hunt. So I'll let you, you know, Trent, go on that a little bit more and what your thoughts are. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, you know, Zach, the way you worded that when I, when I did my first mountain lion hunt in Colorado, I just, I wanted to shoot one good Tom, you know, just, just an adult male mountain lion. That's all I wanted. And, um, I went on the hunt in Colorado twice and, um, ended up shooting that cat and it was way up in the tree and, and the, the hound guy, it was getting towards the evening and, and you know, so we're losing light. The hound guy says, well, I, he says, it's no giant Tom, but he says, it's, you know, I think it's a Tom. And it was just hard to tell. I mean, he was so far up that, that fir tree and, uh, you know, branches obscuring him. And I had a, had a little shooting hole and I, I zipped that cat and come out and it was just a, a great big female is what it was. And I was just ecstatic, you know, it was my first lion and it, I didn't care that it wasn't a Tom, you know, anymore. It's just, you know, that's, that's cool. I, I was kind of one and done, you know, and then I would love to call one in and get it sometime, but, um, you know, I, I was able to draw that dog tag last year and said, okay, now's my opportunity to, to get a good Tom and that'll be neat. You know, I'll be able to have, you know, a Tom and a female and, and, uh, didn't work out. And I, I mean, we, we hunted our butts off and had a lot of help and, and, uh, was just lucky enough to get the only one that got gotten, you know, that was taken last year, uh, the day before the close of the season and ended up being a big old female. I guessed her about nine years old. And, uh, so I just a beautiful cat and, and I was to answer your question. No, I, I'm not planning on, on doing another hunt, but with that being said, I've met a lot of guys with, with hounds that, that love doing it. Uh, they love the chase and, uh, you know, they, they go work their dogs and they let the cats go. You know, they might get a tree and take some pictures and let them go. And, uh, you know, when I say they're doing that, not so much in Nebraska, but you know, in Wyoming and, and South Dakota, you know, they, they don't kill every cat they tree. And, um, so I, you know, like Scott said, I would love to go on another hunt and, and uh, it's just, it's fun being there and it's, there's something just amazing about it. The first time you actually get to see that cat up in a tree, I mean, that's a sight like, it's just, I don't know, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just something else, you know, when you first get to see that cat up in the tree and uh, another thing about it is, is, you know, they're not scared of you. They're just annoyed. They're up in that tree glaring down at you and, and uh, 
you know, sometimes they're, they're half asleep and they're just glaring, you know, just not happy to be there. It's, it's just their demeanor is something else. Just like a regular cat, right? No. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what Trent said. You know, when I walked around the corner um, on my hunt and never ever, you know, never ever being on a cat hunt before and seeing that cat up the tree, um, man, my, my body had chills go through it. I mean, it was, it was, it was just, you know, a great feeling, but an awkward feeling. And, and then I'm looking at that cat, you know, 70 feet up into that pine going, how in the heck am I going to kill this cat, you know, with my bow from where I'm at, you know, not knowing what I'm going to do. And, you know, the great thing with, you know, having Trent and Casey and, you know, some of the landowners along and, and figuring out a plan and hiking up on the, uh, the ridge that we could get to that cat a little bit better and getting a, a closer shot, um, you know, was great. And then on top of that, being that close to the cat, um, like when I harvest my cat, um, at one point, um, the Tom that I harvested, he, he reached down and grabbed the arrow out of, out, out of the kill zone where I killed it or where, you know, the harvest shot happened. He reached down and grabbed the arrow out with his mouth, ripped it out and dropped the arrow and then looked right at us and kind of growled at us. I mean, talking about the hair standing up on the back of your neck when you see that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. is unreal. Like I was, I was like, Oh man, <laughs> you know, and that's my first cat hunt I've ever been on. And, you know, and Trent being with me, you know, he's been on a hunt before and man, I was, I was shaking, nerve wracking. Oh, my, my mind was not going right. So that's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's, that's very cool guys. Thank you. Uh, yeah. thank, thanks for sharing that stuff. I mean, that's, Really neat. Not not something a lot of us have done, and or a lot of NBA members, period, have done. So, um, it's nice to nice to hear from you guys, and especially, like I said, to be um, able to hear from the 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 two lone archery harvests of uh, um, mountain lions in our state is pretty cool. So, um, I guess with that. Uh, you guys have anything else to add? Um, Zach, do you got any other questions? Um, I really didn't have anything else. I had a lot of questions written out, but as it often goes with these things, you know, stuff just kind of ends up coming out over the course of the conversation. And so luckily I don't have to be a, um, you know, like we're on jeopardy or anything and asking questions. <laughs> so I guess one thing we should probably add is, I don't know that, I I guess and there's a lot of people listening to this who have had mountain lion, but the ones that haven't, I mean, they wouldn't think about, you know, like you said, Scott, there's people who cuss you for shooting them, but little do they know they're, you know, they'll, they'll cuss you for throwing them away. Little do they know it's some of the best eating you can get. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that was one of the things, you know, a few people, I mean, I didn't have very many after all my posts, you know, from, next level deer supplements from my personal page from different people sharing it and and stuff um you know i had a few people negative you know whatnot said hey or you know why would you do that blah 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 blah. 
but actually some of them were, you know, more directed towards, are you, you know, you shot it, now are you going to eat it? And I said, absolutely. And uh, so I, I ended up taking that cat to Todd there at Master, uh, um, not Master Creek, but um, oh, I'm trying to think of it now. Um, you know, he supports the Bowhunter Banquet there, and I took it to him for a taxidermist to get it done. But, you know, we got that, you know, I had the cat, you know, frozen that night, so the meat was good. But I got all that meat back after he skinned it out for me. And uh, I made jerky out of it. I made some uh, mountain lion hamburger out of it. We did some steaks out of it. Um, and every little bit piece of that cat, um, you know, I used it and uh, it's still in use or in my freezer. And I have no complaints, to be honest with you. Um, this weekend when we went on, on my turkey hunt um, that I helped, uh, you know, invited Chasing the Dream down um, with, um, I served them mountain lion steaks and I actually served them some mountain lion jerky and, uh, Garrett and Andy, um, both looked at me and said, are you kidding me? This is, this is mountain lion. I said, I'm not kidding you. It's mountain lion. And they, they couldn't believe it. They were, they were impressed. They, they were like, that's, that's what it tastes like. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it, it tastes good. I mean, it's, it's actually good. I and, mean, you know, some people look at it and saying, oh, you're eating cat, you know, but no, it, I mean, Trent told me it tastes like tough pork before I had tasted it. And it does have that flavoring taste to it. Um, but when you make jerky steaks out of it and, and stuff, I mean, you season it right. Um, you know, just a little bit of garlic salt and slash um, what I, I put on there, a little uh, Lowry's. And I mean, it's, it's, it's damn good. I mean, it's very edible. And, you know, if anybody harvests one, you need to make sure you, you eat it. I mean, and try it. And because it's, 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 it's very good. Absolutely. Like you said, I, I think it tastes a lot like pork and you wouldn't think any, a cat like that, you know, would, would taste anything close to that or even that well, you know, but it's, uh, it's definitely something I think everyone should try if they have the chance. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to take some to the wild game feeds and you know share it with people when you have them over. And it's it's a rarity. It's not something that a lot of people have tried. And it's you know I recommend it. Awesome. Very good. Um, anything else, guys? Closing thoughts. Uh, Zach, you got any other questions or anything? I don't think so. So awesome. Well, um, well, I guess I just want to thank you guys again, Kyle and Zach, for for kind of doing this. I, I know there's I've heard a lot of good things. A lot of people enjoy listening to it, and uh, they might not enjoy listening to me and Scott clamor on here for <laughs> half an hour. But um, you know, and anybody that does listen to this and, and uh, you know is interested in in our Nebraska Bow Hunters Association Club, you know for for what it costs for a membership, uh, was it 25 bucks or something like that? Um, yeah, you can get a family membership for 25 bucks. I'm pretty sure, which is yeah, pretty include cool. the whole family. You get your newsletters with the stories and the pictures of all the members. You know, quarterly. Um, it's it's money well spent, and uh, yep. you know the Nebraska bow hunters fights for hunters' rights, and it's it's a good club. I sure do enjoy them. 
Very, very well said. That's that's exactly right. I mean, the years that I've been involved with the Nebraska Bow Hunters is, uh, um, you know, I wouldn't take it back. It's 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 very well money spent. Twenty five dollars is actually nothing, you know, for the year. And if you're not a member, you know, you need to become a member. Um, I mean, just that's that's the end of the story. Just become a member. So. Yeah, definitely. It's a great, uh, great organization to be part of. And, and thanks, Trent. You know, we, uh, I, I think I can speak for both of us. Uh, you know, Zach and I really enjoy doing these. Um, and, you know, we just really appreciate, you know, I've definitely found, uh, you know, not only, you know, it's great having you guys on, um, just all the NBA, NBA members that we've had on. And, you know, I just, I find it a, uh, refreshing to hear hear from everybody um in the organization and um it's just been really fun to get to know some some other people that uh you know i didn't necessarily know before and um so yeah it's just it's it's good it's been it's been really good so i'm, I'm glad uh glad people have been enjoying it and i hope they continue to we'll keep trying to um deliver some good content so that's the goal yeah very good um all right well anything else zach got anything or no i don't think so all right perfect well with that being said this is uh again thanks scott and trent um this is kyle clomer here this is zach welch this is the good life bow hunter the official podcast of the nba you bet it is thanks guys appreciate it